In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone. And tonight, with tonight's show, it's going to be more of a focus on the health aspect. Because what I find is that given that there's this deluge of information and this, you know, ocean of information that's on the Internet for people to look at relative to their sexual health, many times they're still not getting the accurate information. So my guest this evening happens to be someone who I used as an MD, virology uh, expert, for three of my books, for The Big O, for The Great Lover Playbook, and for Hot Mamas. And what I wanted is I wanted the most current scientific research to give to people so that, first off, they would know, it would give them more validation, it would give them more empowerment about them being in charge of their sexual health. Because let's be honest, your You have your health, and you also have your sexual health. And your sexual health is as much a part and as important as you taking care of your teeth. So my guest this evening is Dr. Gary Richwald, and he is a communicable disease specialist and clinical virologist who, and when I met Gary, he was still in the position of being the director of the Los Angeles County STD program, which he was for 12 years. And at the time, it was the largest provider of sexual health and disease-related services in the United States. He also has worked with the American Social Health Association. He's on the board, which is also known as ASHA. He, if I'm not mistaken, he was also part of when the Surgeon General, David Satcher, was doing his call to action, part of one of those sections of the, the Brain Trust that we're putting their expertise in. And, Gary, I believe you are on with me. I believe I see him there. Well, we'll get him clicked in here. Um, Anyway, so what I wanted to do was really create Sex Ed 101. I wanted to have a class that it's sort of like you can sit back and get the information from someone who is in the trenches 
who has dealt with it for years. And actually, um, and at one point, Dr. Richwald will have to leave, get into his car, because he's heading to the support group for the, the herpes support group that he goes to in Culver City on this Wednesday evening. So one of the things I also did before we started today was I went and I looked at what was available. Let's say I wanted to find out, could I find information that said, could I get a free herpes test? And when I mentioned this to Gary before, before we went on the air, he said, no, not He said they may market it that way, but they'll, they'll make the point of telling you, oh, yes, come in, we'll say that that's free, but then we'll charge you for other stuff. The other thing I know is that for many people, women and men, they may not even know that he, you know, that they have herpes. They may be asymptomatic, meaning they have no symptoms, and they may only find out after a partner has um, become infected. And I know of a number of those instances. So we wanted to look at that. I had a whole list of questions. And I'm just going to check again and see, is, is Gary on with me at this point? Okay. Well, I'm going to keep going here then. The other thing I know is that with the world of STDs, there is a lot of shame associated with it. And one of the things that Dr. Richwald and I are going to talk about is, you know, how do you deal with, you know, the, the psychosocial impact of having herpes. So, Gary, I believe you're on with me now? Yes, I'm here and ready to go. Okay. So, um, audience, this is Dr. Richwald. Gary, the audience. Thank you, and uh, it's a pleasure to be available to you this afternoon. Well, thank you. Now, you, you start with the questions that I sent you, and you go in the way, you know, as the expert who speaks to people all the time, you, I, I'm titling this, Herpes Sex Ed 101. Okay. I just have to go get the question. <laughs> okay. That's always useful. Um, well, I should say probably just a few words about who your listeners are, is who they're hearing. And uh, I always suggest to people that they examine the background of the individual who is supposedly knowledgeable. And mm-hmm. in my case, no, I'm trained originally as an engineer uh, at Cornell University and then medical school at Mount Sinai in New York, internal medicine residency at University of Michigan and UCLA. And then I did additional training in preventive medicine and uh, epidemiology um, and infectious and communicable diseases. Mm-hmm. And uh, have been in addition to teaching at UCLA and USC, have been the director and chief physician of Los Angeles County, Los Angeles County's Sexually Transmitted Disease Program. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as I will do tonight and do once a month um, in Los Angeles, I'm the advisor to the local herpes support group called Los Angeles Help. And somewhere between 50 and 100 people will come for both information and also to participate in small self-help groups to deal with some of the issues that we'll be talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that all for probably
probably, I mean, all told all of those things for over 30 years. But I do learn things new and all the time. And uh, Which, you know, which we talked about last week. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, you think you know a lot about something, and then, of course, if you're open to it, you learn even more. So I guess the first thing to start with is, you know, what is genital herpes? And mm-hmm. um, it, first of all, it's something that when people go to see their physician about, um, they often find that their physician or their nurse practitioner or physician's assistant that they're seeing doesn't know that much about it. And I think it's important to explain why. Uh, most clinicians, most people who do clinical care, take care of patients, mostly take care of older patients. And although older patients, older people, do get genital herpes, and that's one of the things we can talk about, I apologize for the plane going overhead. It, it is Los Angeles, and you are in Venice. That's right. <laughs> old Santa Monica Airport. And, um, although that's true, most and most physicians take care of older adults, and older adults are not the primary people who are acquiring herpes and giving it to others and having the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And also, there have been significant changes medically, both in terms of treatment and how we think about herpes. Also, the kinds of testing that we have is much improved over the past uh, certainly five to ten years. Mm-hmm. For all those reasons, we know a lot more about herpes, and there's also been a lot of new research as well. So, I'll cover all of that. Okay. Be as brief as I can. I think the first thing is that um, herpes is really an infection that people acquire from having sex, and it can be having penile vaginal intercourse or penile anal, or it could be oral to, oral to genital as well, from your mouth to someone's penis or your mouth to someone's vaginal area. All of those are ways to transmit and acquire genital herpes. Mm-hmm. Herpes is a viral infection, and in fact, there are eight members of the greater family of herpes viruses, and herpes simplex virus type 1, which we sometimes call HSV1 or herpes 1 and herpes 2, are the two main viruses that cause genital herpes, and type 1 herpes also causes cold sores or fever blisters. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you transmit the virus from your mouth to someone's genitals, you know, you can also end up with giving them type 1 herpes in the genital area. But basically, when people come to me uh, to see me for clinical care and they have their first outbreak of genital herpes, what they usually are telling me is, Number one, suddenly in the genital area, they notice some itching and usually some pain, sometimes a little nerve-like feeling, like a little numbness and tingling. Mm-hmm. Then they would, um, if they were had a mirror or if they were a man and it was a bit easier to see their genitals, they would notice that there was a red pimple and maybe that pimple over a day or two ended up 
with a little white head, and then it, it ended up um, as a an ulcer. So the head came off that pimple, and they had a small, maybe a quarter inch to three eighths of an inch red ulcer, and they may have multiple ulcers. And these could be pretty much anywhere on the genitals, although they tend to be on the head or shaft or base of the penis. Mm-hmm. Now we've got, Gary, I'm going to have to, we're going for our first break here. Yes. So we are just this, and then we will come back after that, and sure. we will give more description of what you're going to be looking for. My guest is Dr. Gary Richwald, and we will be right back after this break. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Gary Richwald, who, as I mentioned at the top of the show, was my go-to expert 
in the area of STDs and herpes when I was writing my last three books. And also, if anyone has any questions at any time during the show, for those who are listening live, you can call in at 877-864-4869, repeating that again for you, 877-864-4869, or you can go on to toginet.com and go on to the chat room area. So... Dr. Richwald, before the break, you were describing the quarter to three eight inch ulcer that you know had lost its head. But you also made the the comment when we were on the break that you come from more of a consumer bias on how people um, what their experiences are when they contract herpes. Right, and you know I think that you know as as medical students and physicians. Um, you can assume a number of different roles. And I've always been interested in trying to, as thoroughly as possible, understand what it's like to have herpes. And I'm once a month in L.A. County and then also once a month in Orange County. Um, I frequently am with people who have just been diagnosed, who for the first time just been able to come to a self-help meeting. Mm -hmm. They have almost tried for a year or two. Some people even drive their car to the meeting and can't get out of the car. So we know that this medical problem that I'm describing has very significant social ramifications and problems associated with it. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to describe those. uh, Probably two more minutes of perhaps boring biology. But basically, once you have this infection on your skin, the nerve in the, in the area gets infected, and you have a lifetime infection. This is different than human papillomavirus, which causes genital warts and cervical cancer, this is a, which, which can be cleared by the immune system. Mm-hmm. Herpes is a lifetime infection. You have it forever, and um, most people will have you know, fewer and fewer outbreaks over time. But if you get type 2 genital herpes, you can expect to have four to five outbreaks, one every two or three months for the first few years, mm-hmm. and then five years, two or three outbreaks, 10 years, maybe one outbreak a year. And if you get type 1 genital herpes from someone's mouth to your mm-hmm. genitals, mm-hmm. it's a much milder type of herpes, usually. I'd say 90% of the time, and you can expect to have shorter outbreaks and maybe only one or two outbreaks a year. Mm -hmm. How long is an outbreak? The first outbreak is usually 5 to 15 days long. It varies by individual, and the subsequent outbreaks are usually 2, 3, 4 days long. Okay. One of the other things that is important to know is that Although some people get outbreaks, two other things happen. Some people get infected by someone else, and they never have an initial outbreak, but they're infected mm-hmm. yes. by doing a blood test that they didn't have this infection, and then they did you know, at, at some subsequent time period within one to four months later. And the problem, of course, is those people don't know they have herpes, and they're shedding virus mm-hmm. in between, you know, during the time that they're not having any outbreaks, they still have virus coming back from the nerve where it's stored or we say latent. 
coming back to the surface of the genitalia. So they still have virus that they can give to someone else and infect them. Most people in the world who get genital herpes get it from someone who themselves doesn't know that they have herpes. Right. I, I said that at the top of the show. That being the case, you can see why we have 60 million Americans infected with type 2 genital herpes, mm-hmm. of which only about 5 or 10 million have classic herpes, the, the clinical herpes that I talked about, mm-hmm. with pain and itching and ulcers, etc. And then the other, you know, 80, 85% are infected and don't have a classic herpes outbreak. So those are the people who usually infect other people. They got herpes from somebody who probably themselves didn't know. So, you know, we're up to, say, 60 million people with type 2 and maybe as much as 20 or 30 million Americans with type 1 genital herpes. And, uh, you know, this, when you, the, the, we have data showing that when you leave college, you know, most people enter college with very few of them having type 2 genital herpes, by the time they leave college, somewhere about 1 in 10 or 1 in 5 between that have acquired genital herpes. So mm. it's very contagious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you'll get classic herpes, but most of the time you'll be asymptomatically infected, you know, without symptoms, and you will be getting asymptomatically. The other important thing to know is that if you have a partner who has clinical herpes, who has classic herpes, unfortunately they shed asymptomatically between outbreaks. So if I had an outbreak on February 1st, and let's say my next outbreak was going to be two months later on um, April 1st, in between there's going to be some days when I don't have any symptoms of having an outbreak, but I'm still shedding virus. Now, having said all this, um, the way we treat herpes, there's a number of ways. Herpes is, in general, is not going to kill you for sure. I always tell people you're the same person after you got herpes as before. You suddenly didn't become a different person. People often feel quite different and quite upset that they have herpes. Mm -hmm. There are now, fortunately, medical treatments available. Right. Which you you can take them to treat an individual outbreak for four or five days, or you can take them every day, these antivirals, and Mm -hmm. you'll have 80% fewer outbreaks, you'll have 80% less of this asymptomatic shedding, and at least a half reduction 50% 50% reduction in the risk of infecting someone who doesn't have herpes. And of course, condoms also significantly reduce the risk of either receiving or giving someone herpes. And this is what we call um, repressive therapy? No, suppressive therapy. Suppressive. <laughs> Wrong word. <laughs> I call it daily therapy. Right, okay. Versus what's episodic or taking medication for three or four days just when you have an outbreak. Mm -hmm. And doing that does not really control, you know, have any effect on transmission. Most people, if they're having a herpes outbreak, are certainly not 
they're not in the mood to have sex and they're not having sex. And right. uh, so treatment in a nutshell means either daily therapy or it means episodic therapy. People also use various uh, uh, amino acids like lysine. Mm-hmm. And, um, they also can use herbs and there's a number of treatments. And then also what I like to share with people is that if you can keep your immune system as strong as possible, then that helps keep the virus in check and you're going to have fewer outbreaks and less shedding. Now, right. You know, with stress or triggers that, right. right. You know, where is the source of stress in most people's lives? It is in relationships, mm-hmm. at work, mm-hmm. um, with family, um, and... Uh, with substances, alcohol, etc. Mm-hmm. With you know mental health problems, physical health problems. These are the areas. Some of them you can do something about. Some of them are much more difficult. You know, so right. What we call structural problems. I mean, you have to go to work in some cases, and your boss is your boss, and you know you don't have as much control as in is as in other areas. So I usually, if I have patients who are are having a lot of trouble with their herpes and are um, trouble, I mean physical trouble, having a lot of outbreaks and pain, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask them a lot about, you know, what's 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 doing in the rest of their life. And uh, now we live in a society that doesn't really, in my opinion, accept us as sexual people. Not very much. (laughs) And uh, so when people get herpes, two things happen. First of all, they feel terribly shameful about it. Um, You know, that somehow they caused the problem. They didn't listen to what their mother, you know, they, if, if they listened to their mother, they wouldn't have gone out with that guy. Now that's, that's what something I hear a lot. Um, or if they were just more careful or they should have known the guy was, you know, gave them some early signals and, and they find out he's going out with three people in addition to them. And, you know, so people have a lot of shame. They mm-hmm. feel quite diminished. Their self-esteem is reduced. They're just, you know, they get depressed, withdrawn. They don't know who to trust. They're angry. And not all of these things, but, you know, people display different kinds of characteristics. But all of it's based, in my opinion, on shame and feeling like you did something wrong. Now, I want to say right off, most people didn't even know who gave them herpes. Right. Now, I, I'm, I would absolutely concur with you that in my seminars and presentations, that has been the same thing that I've heard. So the idea that you could be, you know, wrong for going out and uh, meeting people and um, having sexual intimacy, uh, you know, is is really misplaced. Uh, right. Really. And then the other problem has to do with stigma. That right. Is, now, and and I'm sorry, Gary. I'm going to have to get you to hold. We're going to be we'll, going we'll to hold stigma for the post. Uh, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. We're going to our halftime break here. My guest is Dr. Gary Richwald. Please stay with us.
This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Friday Night Camp Radio, 10 p.m. to midnight with Christy and Laura on Toginet.com. Broadcasting from their scrappy kitchen in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. They've got nothing better to do than riff with their favorite Brooklyn-based independent vendors, artists, bands, bartenders, foodies, weirdos, and news stories. Featuring the live studio audience. Betty Rehab and the Gay Boys. Sex and dating commentary with the impersonal, the unknown political masked man, and people who kind of know stuff. Stream on after your long week. Brooklyn's variety show of madcap intellectualism. Friday Nightcap Radio with Lauren Christie, 10 to midnight Eastern on Tokinet.com. Radio like you've never seen. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millett, at 11, 10 Central on Tugginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I, invest in yourself. P, persist by taking small steps. And S, serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is a good friend and has been my medical expert in the area of STDs for three of my books, Dr. Gary Richwald. And just before the break, we were talking about the impact on self-esteem and the stigma that these people have. And then we're going to go into some of the questions that I get asked and I'm going to, you know, that people feel to me and I'm going to, you know, Offer them over to uh, Dr. Richwald. So, Gary, the stigma issue, at what point do people feel they come out of that, or do they? Well, you know, stigma, shame is how you feel about yourself. And uh, it's obviously influenced by the society we live in. Stigma is how we think and also people do act towards people who have herpes. You know, Mm -hmm. lots of people who I talk to and in groups say, well, I have herpes. If I was gonna, if someone was gonna go out, I wouldn't go out with someone who has herpes. So, because 
you know, of course, that's saying that before they got herpes. Now they have a much better understanding about what herpes is and what herpes isn't. Mm-hmm. But the stigma is really that our society, unfortunately, characterizes people who have sexually transmitted infections as irresponsible, kind of used goods, mm. you know, disposable people who really deserve no respect and uh, certainly no sympathy and, you know, certainly somebody that you would not want to have an intimate relationship with. And maybe they, their, the perception is that they are, you know, sleep, sleeping around and and got what they deserved. Oh, yeah. I, well, you know what? What I also know, and I'm sure you probably find this as well, that there, for those people who do have herpes, both women and men, one of the last things they want to do is transmit it to someone else. Right. And uh, those people who know, they, right. they're like, I want to, I do not want to give this to someone else. No, exactly. And I think that's an extremely, one of the things that people are so concerned about when they have herpes is to, in fact, make absolutely sure that they don't infect someone else. I mean, think about this for a minute. Would you want to have done to you, would you want to do to someone else what, what was just done to you? Absolutely not. And, I mean, I know story after story, and, I mean, you being in this field and specifically with, you know, dealing with this, you know, the transmission in the clinics, I have heard numerous instances where when the person who was diagnosed told the other person in the instance when they do know it could only have come from that person, the other person claims, no, it was not me. It absolutely wasn't me. Yeah, and then they blame it on them and all sorts yeah. of things. You know, so our basic approach to dealing with shame and stigma is, first of all, for people who feel so terrible about having herpes, is to try to make it clear that this is a medical problem. Mm-hmm. There's good medication. They significantly reduce your risk of transmission, not to zero, but way down, that there are many other things you can get that are far worse than herpes, and that given honest and straightforward discussion, there are many people who are going to be loving partners of people who have herpes. And in fact, many of the people out there who already have herpes and don't even know it. Uh, precisely. It's a mm-hmm. fundamental problem. And on the stigma side, on the societal side, we tell people to just recognize that some people are not very evolved, that they don't understand the perspective of people getting an infection and uh, that it could happen to anyone or nearly anyone, and that, you know, you can't change society. You can carefully tell people who you trust. Um, in your family, etc. That's often a struggle with people when they get herpes because they cut themselves off from support. And you know, Gary, that's something that happens in just about every area, as you and I know, when it comes to <clears throat> any sexually transmitted issue, is that the shame or the not knowingness and the not willing to talk about it causes so much stress for people that... They, they, they shut themselves off. They don't talk to the physician. They don't talk to anybody. Well, right, and I think that what's important is, you know, this occurs in people getting divorced. Ooh, 
Ooh, yeah. Well, you Even also losing a job. I yeah. mean, you know, self-esteem is a very, you know, we all try to maintain good self-esteem, but you know, it, it it can be a real it can be a real serious problem. One of the advantages of going to a herpes support group is you're with people who understand. You know, some people are new and are learning, but. People are there who understand, who've been through the various stages of acceptance mm-hmm. and of coming out the other end. Right. Um, now, who, how would you recommend someone finding a good herpes support group in their area? Well, I would just put in herpes support group into Google mm-hmm. and, uh, or genital herpes support group. Mm-hmm. If you live in the L.A. or Orange County, California area, you'll notice San Francisco has a good support group. There aren't as many support groups that meet face-to-face as there were in the past because of the Internet. Oh. People can acquire information online. Perhaps they can, you know, have their questions answered as well. Um, whether you can really get support online as effectively as you can in person you know, to me, is an unanswered question. I'm sure in some cases you can, some cases you can't. But, you know, I would just look up a herpes support group. And there are smaller groups and social groups that meet throughout the United States in almost every city. And, mm-hmm. uh, you can also contact ASHA at yep. ashastd.org. I mean, there's a lot of, and they have a list of support groups, and uh, I think they're very helpful for people to get their questions answered. And also, you know, one of the first issues is how do you tell somebody that you have herpes? Let's say you got herpes from somebody and now you're dating. When do you tell them? How do you tell them? What do you tell them? Exactly, and that's something that, you you know, we can talk about, you know, the impact of, the, I mean, what people want is, okay, how is this going to impact the rest of my dating life, the rest well, they, of my in life? Re- in my opinion, now, you know, and I think most people who have herpes and who are involved in this, um, in the field of sexually transmitted infections, feel strongly that if you have a condition, at some point, not the first time you meet them, <laughs> no, not in your ad, but at some point, you should tell them. You have an obligation to tell them. If only so, you don't do to them what happened to you. Right. Now, let me just ask you this quickly. There are herpes dating groups and people who um, are, you know, herpes date is something, you know, that I happen to see on one particular site. If someone, if they both have herpes, do they still have to use any form of protection? Well, let me first go back and say, what do I think of those groups? I think, okay, okay. I think <laughs> Let's go there. You know, I may be an unusual physician in this regard, but I think that for the most part they're very helpful to people, mm-hmm. and uh, people really benefit from them. And it's good being with other people who have some. You're not spending your whole life in a support group, but it's good being with some people who uh, um, you can go out with and you don't have to worry about that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think they're good. Now, you know, like any of these groups that have sex and dating as a, as a, a nexus, as a set of issues, you can get weird people and, 
you know, so people have to be mature enough to figure out and navigate uh, what we might call a little bit of a rocky terrain. But okay. those groups can be very good. Now, the question you asked is, does that mean you can have sex with and, you know, the question is, you can get hepatitis B, you can get HIV. Herpes doesn't protect you. You still probably should tell the person, you know, make sure that they've been tested and that you've been tested. If you have type 2 herpes, you cannot get someone's type 1 herpes. This is quite complicated. If you have type 1 herpes, it doesn't prevent you from getting their type 2. Most people who have Symptomatic herpes that is recurring have type 2. Okay. For them, they're unlikely to get other people's. You know, there's no way to get more type 2 herpes. Okay. Now... So, um, I think that the bigger question is, you know, you should make sure that the partner has had an HIV test recently. That um, would, they, would, would they have to do... Um, would they have to use protection? I mean, would they... Should they... I mean, well, I would... I think initially when you meet somebody, no matter how good the story is, it's worth using condoms mm -hmm. and, uh, because, you know, you just never know. Um, and, you know, then if you can use condoms frequently enough and you can evolve to the point where you've looked, you know, you've been tested, you know, you feel comfortable with the person, you know more about the person. You know, for some people, that's a month. For other people, it's six months or a year. Right. At that point, you can make the decision. But then, of course, you are open to becoming infected uh, with things that condoms don't protect fully. They don't protect fully HPV. No. Or herpes. And uh, so, but, you know, they work pretty darn well for HIV, assuming the condoms are used properly. And, uh, yeah. But let me go on this issue, but what do you tell people? You know, how right. Do you now, don't you, Gary, don't you have to get into your car now? Oh, you're absolutely right. But in two minutes, I'll just okay. do two more minutes. Is that okay, well, we'll do one minute until our next break. Okay. 30 well, seconds. <laughs> here's what we tell people, and here's what tends to work. You don't tell people the first time you meet them that you have herpes. At the point that a relationship is looking like it's going to become sexually intimate, you don't wait till you're in the throes of, you know, you, you have your clothes off and you're about to, to uh, enjoy sexual intimacy. At that point, it's not it's a good time late. to talk about herpes. You want to talk about herpes in a place where in your car with somebody, at home, not right. in the middle of a restaurant, but we'll pick this up. I'll, I'll be rushing off to the car, and we'll continue this in just two minutes. Okay. My Thanks. guest, Gary Richwald, will be right back with How to Tell Them. <laughs> or how to reach me. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. 
the historical. How have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Gary Richwald, and he is one of my go-to people in the area as, as an MD and a clinical virologist for STD information. And before the break, we were talking about how do you tell them, what do you tell them, when do you tell them? And really, I mean, so Gary, I believe you're back on now? Yes, I am. Okay, and actually Dr. Richwald is on his way to the um, herpes support group that he was talking about earlier, the one, it's the one in Culver City tonight? That's right. Right. Now, so Gary, your first comment was, so don't, you don't tell them when you're horizontal and, you know, the clothes are already off. That's right, and you're well lubricated. You know, that's not the right moment. The right moment is before that, so the per- person can think about what you're saying with a clear mind, and so that you know they have what we call informed involvement in this situation. And uh, and it's best done when you're in a private place, often. so not a restaurant. Here in Southern California, the car is one of the most private places. It's as long as the person's not driving, better right. they be the passenger, and uh, or you pull over and sort of discuss it, or you do it at home or in in a, a quiet place, go out for a walk, explain to the person that you have something important to tell them. You don't want to be giggling, you know. Nervousness can create giggling, and uh, you want to you know be serious but not. You don't want to tell them, make it sound like, you know, the third, you know, nuclear war is about to happen. No, I, and uh, just, 
you, you want to say that you you have a medical problem it's called herpes. They undoubtedly have heard about it. It'd be good if you could explain a bit about it and that you're doing a number of things to make sure that you don't transmit this to someone else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're using condoms or that you're planning to. You're taking medication. I mean, if, if that's what you're doing, which I would certainly recommend at the beginning of new relationships to take daily medication. And mm-hmm. um, you're, you're keeping yourself in a healthy, as low risk as you can, state of mind, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And now- if you, you know, if, if you can do that and you can refer them to really good resources on the web like ashastd.org, you know, you'll, you'll really do, they'll get good information. I don't need to tell you that a lot of the things on the Internet are exaggerated. They're the worst examples. And it could scare people. I mean, it does scare people. And uh, No question time, it does. At times, uh, I have to tell people who are, get obsessed looking at the Internet to just not do that. Ignore the Internet. And... Uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a hard communication in itself. But the, the basic message is treat this like a problem that the two of you can handle. And it, it, it's, yeah. it's, important to, it's important to remember that the person you were the day before you got herpes is no different than the person you are now. You're a good person. You deserve love. You deserve to be in a loving uh, and sexual relationship, you know, you may find out that the person already has herpes and they hadn't told you yet they were going to or mm-hmm. other situations, or they go get tested and they already have, you know, herpes. You know, one of the things we didn't mention is how can you find out if you have herpes for sure? Right. When people have her- herpes lesions and ulcers, you can do a swab test with a looks like a Q-tip, and you can send it to the lab for testing. But sometimes people are not at their doctors when they have the outbreak, and sometimes, as we mentioned, some people never have an outbreak and still have this, still have genital herpes. And those people, there are new blood tests that have been around for about 12 years. They're very accurate, unlike the older blood tests. And they're antibody tests, and they tell you if you have type 1 herpes or type 2 herpes. And they're very helpful in identifying people who have genital herpes. Now, if people are wanting to take suppressive therapy, what, you know, what type of other impacts might that have for them? I mean, they've got, and what would be the names of some of them? Well, this is just like birth control pills, in a sense, because you have to take them every day. Mm-hmm. Antiviral therapy, when used to, on a daily basis to prevent outbreaks and shedding uh, and to reduce the likelihood of transmission, has to be taken every day. Right. Some people have difficulty doing that, and uh, although most people don't think that much of a problem, the side effects of these medications are extremely small. Some people get a headache. Some people, you know, there's some small things that can happen. There are ways to even get around some of those by taking the medications at night. Oh, okay. But 
But basically, as medications go that you're going to have to take every day, these are very low side effect medications. And they have to be prescribed by a physician. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll, you'll have to go at least once a year and get 12 renewals, monthly renewals. And uh, you'll either take acyclovir, um, which is a tablet you'll take twice a day, morning and evening. Okay. Valcyclovir, also called Valtrex, which is a branded, used to be the branded drug and is quite more expensive, and you'll have that you'll take once a day, usually in the evening. So, you know, it's, it's not, I, I say, compared to the kinds of things I sometimes have to prescribe to people for various medical problems, this is one of the less, less side effect related. Mm -hmm. Well, I have had um, friends who have taken it, and I had um, actually, um, I remember the conversation with an old boyfriend of mine who did have herpes and how difficult it was for him to tell me. And right. so I'm well aware of, I mean, his biggest fear is that I would say, uh, well, that's it then. And but he, right. and, and you know so, sometimes that will happen. And it it, it I have, does. I have to. Say, it's a risk. I mean, life is full of risk. And you know, I can tell you on a philosophic basis that anybody who would basically say, you know, that's you know, I just can't imagine being with someone who has herpes. It's best to find that out early. And it may not be the kind of person that you really want to have a long-term relationship with. It, precisely. And, you know, here's the thing. If we know that, like, 90% of the U.S. population has herpes simplex 1, meaning cold sores, and, you know, my understanding is the majority of people got those from either their mother kissing them or other little kids, you know, slobbering on them. And right. we don't think that's bad, but... You know, this right. is something because you and I both know in the area of sexuality, there's a lot of stuff that gets tied in with sex and something being wrong. And bottom line is this is something that is, you know, when people have it, if they're taking care of themselves, there really shouldn't be, there really shouldn't be an issue. Well, but, you know, that, that, that's the kind of world we would like to live in. Mm -hmm. But the world that we live in is sometimes very different from that. And, and you know, I think that herpes brings up for most people the issues around trust. Yes. You know, uh, issues around sexual intimacy, intimacy in general. It brings up issues from all parts of one's life. And no frequently no, un, unresolved issues. No, no question about it. Let me ask you one of the tough questions that I get asked, because we've probably only got about two minutes until the end. A woman wants to, they are getting married. She is not, does not have herpes to, he does, and they want to start a family. Now, I know that this is, this is like a little flashpoint one that, can have, you know, health impacts for the baby. 
Well, there, there's no evidence that he can an antihepatic during the time they're getting pregnant. There's no evidence that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Some people would say the father should have a few medications and the mother should as well. They're not going to be using condoms. Because right. you're not going to get, obviously, you can't get pregnant using condoms. So that's an important issue as well. And I just want to say that, um, you know, it's just, it's a risk that you have to take. I mean, if you want to have a baby. But okay. the father could, could take antiviral medications and substantially reduce that risk. And uh, I've found that most couples have been able to negotiate this pretty well. And during the short, you know, depending on the length of time, they have not ended up, you know, infecting each other. So okay. it, just dep- it just depends. And, uh, but it is, it is an important issue. You know, by the time people are getting married and having a relationship, you know, after some number of months, some of these, the herpes issues, recede into the background. And... The more important issues about hooking up with somebody and being with them for, you know, and making the kind of commitment that uh, living together, having children together, planning your life together requires become much bigger issues than herpes. Of that, there is there is absolutely no question. Now we probably have thirty. We do. We have thirty seconds until the end of the show. My guest this evening has been Dr. Gary Richwald. Gary, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Well, they can get a hold of you, and you can refer them to me. How's okay. That? That's perfect. So anyone who would like to, I, you can contact me on my, you know, um, office at loupaget.com, L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T.com, and I will, you know, forward the contact to Dr. Richwald. Gary, thank you so much for being with me this evening for Herpes Sex Ed 101, and have a fabulous um, support group this evening. Thank you very much, Lou. Thank you, Aaron. A healthy life to all of your listeners. Okay, absolutely. Thanks again, Gary. Bye for now. Bye now. On the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health our sexual health. Join Lou Pat.